0: Let's look to the Lord in prayer as we begin. Father, we humbly come before you. We know that without the blood and the salvation of Jesus, none of us could come into your presence. And we want to say thank you, Lord, for redeeming us. Thank you for the faithful men and women that have gone before us to help us in our own walk with you. We want to ask, Lord, that you would continue to transform us more into the image of Jesus, that you would continue to put your spirit in our life in such a way that people would see you living through us. And we want to thank you, Lord, that with you there is nothing that is impossible. We just call out to you, touch those that are in sorrow, help those that are sick, and shine through our life that others would see you in and through our life. We commit this time to you and pray that you would speak to our hearts. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. As we study through Mark's gospel, uh, I'm really excited. I love Jesus, and I love when Jesus does something wonderful. And uh, today I just see the theme of the passage as Jesus makes us whole. Um, We have been in different environments, and sometimes when you're new, a country or new to a different environment you feel kind of out of place but you know with Jesus he makes us complete he makes us whole and the thought came to me today uh, and as I was studying earlier that the one who is whole is able to make us whole right Jesus he is complete and as we abide in him as we come to him He also uh, makes us complete through faith in Him. Um, There's, you know, a possible example. If you were wanting to become stronger and you invited or hired a personal trainer, you would probably not choose like the person that was real thin that had never done so much exercise but just studied about training, right? You would probably hire somebody that had had experience in exercising, maybe had completed a marathon or a triathlon. And you want to be like the person who is stronger. And so we, as believers, want to be like Jesus, and he is the one who is complete. Uh, Jesus is so interesting, and it says about his coming to earth in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 17 and 18. Therefore, in all things he had to be made like his brethren, meaning brothers and sisters, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in the things pertaining to God. So he humbled himself coming from heaven, lived as all people live, but he also had a role like a high priest in interceding. And it says to make propitiation or the atoning sacrifice for the sins of the people. Now listen to this phrase here in verse 18. For in that he himself has suffered being tempted or tested, he is able to aid those who are tempted. And this is the thing, is that Jesus knows our suffering and he helps us through it, but then he helps us to be above our suffering. Um, He not only understands our suffering, but he also helps us in the time of suffering. And then because he is now in heaven... He is whole and complete, lacking nothing. He offers us to join with him. Um, When you have a family member graduate into heaven, you start thinking more about heaven, don't you? And uh, it's right for us to think about heaven. It's our future home. And it's also right for us to remember it's not just about streets of gold, but it's about God himself. We're going to heaven to be in God's presence. And so the sufferings of this world really can't be compared with the glory that will be revealed in and through us. I like James as he writes his letter. He's very practical. He says, my brethren, my brothers and sisters, count it all joy. This is really hard to do, isn't it? Count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing." So God does allow suffering now, but he does it to bring us more into the image of Jesus, that we would be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Uh, Many of us, we think about what we don't have, right? You go to the grocery store, why? Because you need something. Uh, You work, why? Because you need the money to provide something. But in the Lord, uh, we are complete, and it even says, lacking nothing. Um, We lived for a year in Nigeria, and one of the things that seems like it is out of balance is that Nigerians for many years were rated as some of the most happy people in the world. Uh, They don't have consistent electricity. Many of them don't have running water. Uh, When we were there, we were sleeping on the floor. We didn't have a refrigerator the whole year. And you know what, when we would visit people, uh, we went to one uh, couple's house. She was sweeping the front floor as we got in. You know what it was? It was dirt. And yet, they were happy. We went to another couple's house. They said, oh, uh, we're so happy that you came and we're gonna eat our traditional food together, but we don't have the dining room table. So we just sat on the floor, uh, ate you know, from the bowls, and they're happy. The reason is because the happiness is not based upon their circumstances, it's based upon the love of Jesus. Speaking about this patience that God is working in our lives, um, you ever, you know, if you have an animal at home, you know that they wait for you, right? Or if you're walking by someone's house, you see the animal at the window. Uh, God wants us to be patient, right? Waiting for that process in our life even through trials and sufferings, we need to shift how we think about things and stop fighting the things that God is using to make us more like Jesus, to make us whole, right? Um, In school, if you don't pass the test, what happens? Oftentimes you have to take it again, right? Or if you're going through trade school and you don't quite get what you're doing right, you have to work on it and try again. God wants us to be patient, to stop fighting against our circumstances. Uh, The circumstances don't always change, but how we react to those circumstances should change as we get more mature in the Lord. Now let's look to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 2, and we're going to read the whole passage, um, just uh, this one section, and then we'll make some comments as we go. The Gospel of Mark, chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. And again, he, Jesus, entered Capernaum. We mentioned last week that Capernaum is the new ministry location for Jesus. And it was heard that he was in the house. We'll talk more about that, but it's a specific house. Immediately, many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. And he preached the word to them. Then they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not Come near to him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. When Jesus saw their faith, sorry, I didn't change the. Um, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. And some of the scribes were sitting there, reasoning in their hearts. Why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sin but God alone? But immediately, when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, he said to them, Why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Arise, take up your bed, and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins he said to the paralytic, I say to you, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. Immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went out in the presence of them all, so that they were all amazed and glorifying God, saying, we never saw anything like this. And for sure that's the case. Most of us haven't as well. Uh, Martin and I have met people that have been healed from cancer, but we didn't see the process. But if you saw Jesus touch and heal someone, you would, of course, be amazed. Uh, in verse 1, it says, Jesus entered Capernaum. After some days, he heard, they heard that he was in the house, meaning the people around heard that he was there. And immediately, which is one of the words that you see frequently in the Gospel of Mark, many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. So you have to picture... A small house, because houses were small in those days, completely full of people, and then so many people that they're around the entrance of the house. So why have they gathered? They gathered to Jesus. They gathered to hear and to receive. Uh, It's kind of like what we're doing. They gathered in less than perfect conditions, right? Uh, If the house was completely full, it means some people didn't have a chair. Uh, The ones that are standing outside, it means that uh, they're straining to listen in. And, um, you know, we ourselves, right now, we don't have perfect conditions either. You know, we don't have air conditioning. Uh, Sometimes there's noise from the road outside. Um, But we're gathering to be with Jesus, to hear his word, to be made more like him. And... Uh, it says that Jesus preached the word to them. It also mentions that there were four friends. What kind of friends? True friends, right? Because they did the work of carrying their friend who could not walk and could not use uh, his hands and feet. Uh, we see that there was a sincere effort because they couldn't get to the door So probably there were steps on the outside. Uh, Many of you know that in the Middle East, uh, oftentimes the roofs are flat. So they took them up uh, to the roof and then they started the work of removing the roofing. And uh, if you remove roofing, is it gonna be clean process? No, it's not, is it? Um, And so you think about this, there's so many people there and uh, as the roofing is being removed, Of course, Jesus is going to be disrupted, both because damage is done on the roof and dust is coming down, probably particles. Um, Did the friends give up? No. Uh, They saw this option is not available, so let's go up and let's make another option that wasn't even in their minds that morning. And when we have a need, we shouldn't give up when there is a small obstacle in our path. Uh, it used to be said when people had home phones that you couldn't turn off the ringer so easily, right? That you start to pray, and what would happen? The phone would ring. Uh, now I encourage you, if you have a mobile phone, put it on vibrate or silent or in the other room. When you pray, stay focused. But if you're interrupted, don't become grumpy, right? Deal with the interruption and have faith. It says in verse 5 that Jesus saw their faith. Um, Now, this is a thing that often happens with Jesus, right? There is an interruption in the physical realm. The man is being lowered down. But what does Jesus point to? Not the roof, not the man coming down, but it says when he saw their faith, right? So he puts the spiritual over the physical. And this is a principle that you see many times, right? The woman at the well comes and he wants to talk to her about what kind of water, physical water well he uses that a bridge to talk about spiritual water and uh, many times we see this in the scripture that the Lord wants us to get above our circumstances and put our attention in the spiritual realm it says in that passage uh, they went into the house and many of you know that in the scripture there are not uh, chapter breaks in the original writings So if you go back to chapter one, there's one house that is spoken of. You know what happened there? Peter's mother-in-law was healed of the fever and she stood up and began serving. So whose house is it, right? It's Peter's family's house, either his wife's house or his house. Which means that if Peter is there, which he probably was, right? You can imagine Peter's kind of expressive. And now some people are breaking through his own room if my theory is correct, and someone is being let down. So if you're Peter, uh, what are you going to be focused on, right? Are you going to be focused upon the roof or the person who is going to be healed? Most of us, honestly, right, we'd be focused on the roof, wouldn't we? You know, uh, the hail comes and we don't pray. We start worrying about our car or our roof or something like that and uh, Marta was driving she called me she goes honey I know I'm not supposed to call you but it's hailing and it sounds like I'm in a huge storm you know and the hail was just bouncing off of the car and she hadn't experienced that before and so what did she do she called me (laughs) you know what do I do but in reality we're supposed to call to the Lord aren't we we're supposed to put the spiritual above the physical but for sure we all struggle with that And Jesus goes on in this same uh, line of reasoning to get their minds in the spiritual realm. And he says the phrase, son, your sins are forgiven you. Why did they bring the person there? Because he couldn't walk and they wanted him to be healed. But Jesus deals first with the spiritual. Uh, What do you think? How do you react when God chooses to deal with your spiritual condition before your physical? Right? Sometimes we pray and we get upset because a prayer isn't answered. And the reason is we have been disobedient in some way. We haven't done what the God has asked us to do. And so we don't see the answer come to our prayer. God oftentimes wants to deal with our spiritual condition before he deals with our physical condition. But Jesus says, He saw their faith. Whose faith? Their, right? The four friends. It's not the man who's being lowered down, but the faith of the four friends, which also is an indicator that it doesn't always have to be the sick person's faith that receives God's touch. It can be your prayers on behalf of someone else. Um, Martin and I had an interesting circumstance in Ukraine there was a father named Nikolai. He had a boy who was probably three and a half or four, and it seemed like that boy really didn't like to walk on his own. Nikolai would carry him to the church service. The boy would be kind of quiet, kind of seemed like he was a little bit slower in processing things. So one day Nikolai comes, he goes, "Uh, I really need to tell you that, um, I can't remember his name right now, come to me. My son is in the hospital, and it's really serious, he has a high fever, I'm so disturbed. So he was trying to tell me all the details, like what hospital, all this. I said, let's just pray. So we prayed, Nikolai and myself, and um, then we prayed at the meeting. And so this is actual events. Nikolai leaves the church, goes to the hospital, and he sees some kids running down at the end of the hallway, but he knows that that can't be his son. So he goes to the room where his son was and a few other kids. And his son is missing. So he starts to get upset with the nurses. What did you do with my son? Did something serious happen? And they said, you didn't see your son running at the end of the hallway? And so as he came and shared that story with us, I just remembered that Jesus prayed, right, for the man's son who was sick. And it said that they traveled back. And in the same hour... Right, The people came and said your son was healed. So you don't have to be physically present. It doesn't have to be your faith that brings healing in someone's life. They had the faith to carry their friend, to break through the roof, to lower him down as Jesus was teaching. And as they're lowering him down, it seems like they're looking in expectation, looking in faith. And I like that. Um, I am made stronger by the strength of other people's faith and you can be that person too. Uh, They brought their friend to Jesus. Uh, The question is, how is Jesus going to act, right, as their friend is being lowered? The unexpected way that Jesus acts initially is he says, your sins are forgiven you. This brings a different topic because there is a mixed crowd inside of the house. Some of them were religious leaders. And they start thinking, only God can forgive sins. Verse five says, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven you. And some of the scribes were sitting there. The scribes are the people that are writing down on the parchment, uh, the word of God, making new copies of God's word. The scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, right? So is it out loud or quietly? Quietly in their hearts. Why does this man speak blasphemies like this? A blasphemy means that you're speaking against the nature of God. Or making yourself equal with God. Who can forgive sins but God alone? I like the next phrase. Immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit. So think about this, right? Jesus can't be an ordinary person if he knows what other people are thinking in their heart. Immediately, when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, he said to them, why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Uh, You'll see there, Psalm 44, verse 21, God knows the secrets of the heart. So if you're used to thinking about things logically, right, if only God knows the hearts, And here we're told that Jesus knows the hearts. It must mean that he is equal with the Father, which the scripture says is true. Acts chapter 15, verse 8 says, God knows the heart. And Jesus, of course, since he knows the heart, because he offers to forgive sins, which only God can forgive us of all of our sins, it indicates that Jesus is God. That is the reasonable conclusion. But he goes on to say, verse nine, which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, arise, take up your bed and walk. Now, a lot of times people get confused by this question. But if you're looking for results, what's easier to say? It's harder, right, for us to forgive sins because we know only God can do that. But if you're only looking for results, technically, that's the easier option. Right? Because you can say, oh, God forgave you all your sins. There's nothing you can look to to prove it. But if you see the man who's lying there on this bed and he can't walk and you say, rise, take up your bed and walk, that's the harder option. So that's what Jesus is indicating here. Then he says, but that you may know that the Son of Man, which is a term from Daniel chapter 7. uh, It's a prophetic term of the coming Messiah, the Son of Man, because He would come from heaven and humble himself to be like a man. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. So he's going to forgive the sins, but he's going to show it in power by healing. I say to you, arise, take up your bed and go to your house. Verse 12. Immediately. Right. That word again. So if you have a friend that has a lot of uh, action, kind of hyper or something, I always say, read Mark's Gospel, because it goes from immediately to immediately. (laughs) You know, there's always action. And immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went out in the presence of them all, so that they were all amazed. Can you picture yourself there? Can you go back to that? You know, see this really kind of confusing situation of the roof being broken, the man being lowered down, Jesus pausing and talking about sin and then Jesus in power, say, just say to him, right, rise, take up your bed and walk. And of course, you would be amazed. Uh, You'd be glorifying God saying we never saw anything like this. So we've seen in this passage that the son of man indicates that it's a title of the Messiah, a prophetic title that he has power, Jesus has power. He's able to forgive, not just that man's sin, but all sin. He's able to heal all sicknesses, and he has power to hold all things together. So I want to uh, talk about this, because in this concept of Jesus holding all things together reminds us that he is whole, he is complete, and we also have our identity in him. In Colossians chapter one, We're going to read verse 15 through 17. Uh, Listen closely. He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created. So is Jesus the creator? Most definitely, right? By him all things that were created that are in heaven, that are on earth, visible and invisible whether thrones or dominions, principalities or powers. So this talks about both the spiritual realm and the things on earth. Uh, Daniel says that God is also involved in raising up a king and humbling or taking away the king. And Jesus is in that process. It says again, all things were created through him. But notice this as well. And for him. Meaning the creation is supposed to give glory to Jesus, the creator. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, right? He is the one who is the head. And in him, all things consist. This word means to be held together. Uh, So if Jesus created us, that we would give him glory. And if we... Consist in Him, it means that in Him we have our true identity. We are made whole in Jesus. Jesus has all power, and Jesus can make us whole. The problem is, is that we, like the people in the house in Capernaum, we look at the physical, right? And we say, oh, this hurts, or that hurts, or this hurts. And we see all of the things that aren't whole. But in the Lord, we are complete. And we're told that very specifically in the same writing to the Colossians chapter 2, verse 9 and 10. Speaking again about Jesus. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Meaning when Jesus came to earth, he was representing the Father and the Spirit and his own godly nature in a bodily form. The next phrase, verse 10. And you are complete in him, who is the head of all principality and power. Isn't that amazing? Uh, So the next time you feel lacking, uh, next time you feel like something is missing, remember, in Jesus, you're complete in him. That's the key, right? You have to see yourself in the Lord. Uh, You are complete in Jesus You are made whole in Jesus. Uh, Martin and I, we spend a lot of time talking to people that have gone through huge trauma. Uh, Like when we lived in Nebraska, there was uh, girls that were involved in sex trafficking. Right? That really hurts your identity. To, as a young person, be forced into something that nobody should be forced into. But as a believer, we have to see that we have a new identity. And there is a choice, right? Like we read in Mark's Gospel, chapter 2, verse 11, Jesus said to the man, I say to you, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. Right? Arise means stand up. And some of you, you need to stand up in Jesus. You need to stop seeing yourself for past failures or hurts that family has brought into your life or even hurts that you've brought into other people's lives. And you need to say, in Jesus, I'm healed, right? I'm whole. That's what a true healing is, right? Is to be made whole again. And it says, after he heard those words, immediately he arose. So there's a choice in front of each one of us today, isn't there? Are you going to immediately receive that identity in Jesus? You are complete in him. It says he took up his bed, went out in the presence of them all, and they were all amazed and glorified God. And that is why your life becomes a light, right? Jesus said you are the light of the world. Why? Because he's shining in you in such a way that other people say, hey, there's been a big change, right? You no longer see yourself through your failures or through... The things that other people have done to you, you see yourself through who God made you to be. This word immediately, it means don't wait, right? Jesus has the power, He holds all things together, and God wants to make us whole. They were all amazed and glorified God. Paul says, We live by faith, not by sight right does the mirror really show you who you are no it shows your body that is containing your spirit right but it doesn't really show who you really are god knows who you are and he wants to make you whole and the choice is are you going to live by faith or are you going to live by your sight i encourage you live by faith receive the touch of Jesus, and allow others around you to be amazed and to glorify God at the transition and the transformation that he's made in your life. Let's pray together. It's such a joy to be your child. And we want to say thank you that you've received us for how we were when we came to you. And we want to say thank you that you loved us enough not to leave us in that condition. Now by faith, Lord, we want to be made more into the image of Jesus. We want to reflect your wholeness, your completeness, to have that shalom, the peace that passes all human understanding. I just pray as some people are struggling with past failures and identities that they have been carrying with them that doesn't really reflect who you created them to be, Help them to release those things, to arise, to walk, to live in the newness of life. We commit ourselves to you. Receive this last song as we praise and worship and glorify you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.